one. Now, back to your host, Jim Freed. I never make up questions, but this time I did. Oh, am I excited to talk to Michael Ray Fitzgerald? He chronicles all my boyhood heroes. Michael Ray, just to let you know, I was at the Sportatorium right before when Leonard Skinner played right before the plane crash. I saw people fall through the roof. They wanted to see him so bad. Swinging the oh my god, it was an amazing cultural event. Welcome to the show, Michael Ray Fitzgerald. Boy, I've been waiting for this. Hey Jim, thanks for having me. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me? Can yeah, you hear me? Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. I think Charles is excited too. We've been talking about this offline with Charles for about a half hour now. Great. So, so I don't know. I don't even know where to start. The Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner. I think you think I think you say I should start at Graham Parsons. Why? Because what he did sort of paved the way for Southern Rock, and he lived in Jacksonville for five years. So his music was uh, spawned and inspired by this very region. You know, I know a lot of friends that went to the Bulls school. It was kind of an upper-class thing. Uh, It seemed to kind of fit him, but he was a little bit of a wild man. And um, what influence did he have on the next guys that came? Well, uh, he sort of, he was a pioneer of country rock, and I think that Southern rock is very, very similar to uh, what he was doing. Maybe just had a little bit of a a harder edge, you know, more guitars, more beef. But they're very, very similar. I would say they're two branches off the same tree. Also, I think the Southern rockers, I know Cowboy was very aware of him. I think probably Leonard Skinner was aware of him. Um, because he was from Waycross and Ronnie Van Zant's wife, Judy, grew up in Waycross. So she had to know about him. And he was one of the first guys, not the first, but one of the first guys to fly the rebel flag on stage, which he, he got help. He caught hell for. Yeah, I'm sure. Boy, this is like I'm reading the book. This is right out of the book. This is tremendous. It's like the movie is the same as the book. Oh, good. So, so um, okay, Almond Joys. Tell me about the Almond Joys and how they helped evolve into, I got to just say it, the foundational Almond Brothers band. What a great story. Uh, they started off in um, Daytona Beach as the escorts, and they evolved into the Almond Joys. They changed, you know, uh, rhythm sections. Greg played guitar. He didn't play keyboards yet, quite yet. And uh, Greg and Dwayne both played guitars. And then uh, Greg switched to keyboards a little bit later, or he played both guitar and keyboards. And uh, they were touring all over the place. They, the minute Greg graduated from high school, Seabreeze High School, uh, they had a booking agent lined up who booked them all the way up to Trude Hellers in the village in New York, Miami to New York City and back, and even as far west as, um, as St. Louis. And uh, they were playing in Pensacola as the Almond Joys, and they lost their rhythm section. The band just broke up. There happened to be another band from northern Alabama in Pensacola whose lead singer quit. So they said, well, you know, let's merge these two bands. So they did, and and they were called either the Almond Joys or the Five Minutes, depending on who had the gigs booked under what name. That's great. They were playing in St. Louis as the Almond Joys, and the manager of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band came in the club and saw me, and he was just bowled over by me. He said, I can 
sign you guys to a management contract. I can get you a record deal with the Dirt Bands label. I can bring you out to Los Angeles and put you up in our house. And he did all of those things and got him a deal. And they played around uh, L.A. for quite some time. The label insisted they, ch they changed their name to The Hourglass because they already had a promotional campaign for another group called The Hourglass, which had broken up and they wanted to use it. And the, the Almond Joys became the hourglass and they didn't like, they pretty much didn't like anything the label was doing in terms of packaging them. And they, they really had a hard time with it and broke up, came back to Daytona Beach. So, you know, I used to go, I went to University of Florida. I used to hang out at Nichols go Alley. Go Gators. You got it. I used to hang out at Nichols Alley, The Outlaws, Stranger, okay, Molly Hatchet. Every time I hit Payne's Prairie, I turn on Molly Hatchet. The rest of the the rest of the ritual needn't be discussed here on the uh, air, air, but you can imagine. And and so that's the sound that I I really remember. How did we get from the Allman Brothers to Leonard Skinnerd or Leonard Skinnerd? Um, you know, and then eventually to Molly Hatchet and all of the bands that I you know because I was a little younger. A lot of it has to do with a gentleman from Jacksonville named Pat Armstrong. He managed Stranger, by the way, and Molly Hatchet, and he was Skinner's first manager. They were in Jacksonville. He was living in Jacksonville. He brought them to uh, Alan Walden in Macon. Uh, rather, Alan Walden came down to Jacksonville to see them on uh, Armstrong's request. And Armstrong, I mean, excuse me, Walden signed them. He got them a deal at Muscle Shoals, and they did some uh, demos there with two producers, Quinn Ivey, oh, three rather, Tim Smith, and then Jimmy Johnson. And they shopped their records around to every label in Los Angeles and got turned down by all of them. So the only reason they, they made it big was because uh, they were playing a, a knife and gun club, a bucket of blood in Atlanta called Funokios. Well, we call them buckets of blood, you know. I get it. And, and Al Cooper, who had produced... Uh, several acts and he'd been an A&R guy at Columbia. He also played organ on Like a Rolling Stone and Positively Fourth Street by Bob Dylan. And he founded Blood, Sweat and Tears. So he's a famous producer, musician, singer, engineer. And uh, he just wandered into Finocchio's one night and uh, he saw Leonard Skinner and he fell in love with them. And he was the only guy who knew what to do with them. He made them into a Southern rock band because the concept of Southern rock did not exist. Al Cooper, I think, single-handedly created the whole concept of Southern Rock because he had a record label called Sounds of the South, and he knew what he wanted, and Leonard Skinner fit that format, and they didn't even know it. They didn't know they were a Southern Rock band. They're tremendous. Now, you know, before we go on, I have to mention my friend Tommy, who I'm now going to have to flip this tape to because he grew up in Muscle Shoals. We always talk about that. So, wow. you know, no, he's, he, ta he talks about it all the time. And so... Um, you know, tell me how we got from Leonard Skinner. Where did where did like um, Molly Hatchet come from? Because I mean, that just blows it apart. Molly Hatchet. I mean, their their first album just ripped the cover off the ball. Armstrong managed them too, and well, Ronnie Ronnie Van Zant was involved in launching the group, and uh, he was hoping to produce their first album. He produced some early demos for them, and he helped them get their arrangements together. And then the and then there was the plane crash, and that that 
put an end to that and among other things. And, uh, but Armstrong really believed in Molly Hatchet and he kept going with it and he got him a deal with uh, Epic Records. Now, um, being a Gainesville boy and it, we're coming up to the break, I would like to talk for just a minute. You do breeze past Tom Petty, who was from the South, who did sing Rebel, but really was a Southern California rock band by the time he got popular, yes? That's true and, that's, and he says as much. Although he did kind of flirt with uh, the Southern rock image for a while there in the earlier mid-80s. But, uh, you know, he actually kind of renounced that, especially he renounced flying the rebel flag on stage. He said, quote, unquote, it was downright stupid thing to do. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break. Um, Michael Ray, can you stick with us for just one more segment? I would like to talk a little more. Love to. Okay, that's great. Reagan, I know you got something good teed up, and I know Charles is having a great time here. So uh, we're going to be uh, back with uh, one more round of Southern Rock. One more, well, I guess I'm going to have to call it a second helping after this. That's good. Hey, this is South Florida's, oh, I was right on cue. This is South Florida's longest-running business talk show. I want to thank our guests for joining us today from the Miami Book Fair. We've got great guests, and we're going to talk some more Southern rock right after this. Oh, I'm just loving that. But before we do that, I'm going to talk about something else I love that's got a Gainesville connection. Warren Henry. That's right. When you're looking to buy or lease a car, you want to get every advantage that you can. That's why you have to check out Warren Henry. Land Rover, Range Rover, Infinity, and Jaguar. They've got a Audi store in Gainesville, and their store in Key West carries all the great nameplates. What do they have in common? Well, they're all great cars, and they come with the Warren Henry Advantage. What's the Warren Henry Advantage? I'm glad you asked. It's complimentary service loaner, dynamic wheel protection, key replacement, guaranteed purchase offer, best value guarantee, and the 72-hour exchange. You can take three days to make sure you like your car. So join all kinds of friends of mine. My mom... My beautiful wife, Vivian, and oh my gosh, I'm just all excited now. So just the bottom line is, join me. Join us all. Always the best price. Always the best service. Always Warren Henry. This is Becca Carlson from Carlson Integrated. You know, a lot of our clients find that they can do anything, but not really everything. We are always excited to jump in and help. So whether you need another set of hands for a project or even comprehensive marketing management, our team of marketing mavens would love to have a conversation with you to see if we are the right fit. We do everything from logo and design work to email outreach and social media to writing and thought leadership. And here's a fun one. We are now offering our fabulous ebook of top 10 marketing tips on our website for free. 
So head over to carlsonintegrated.com and grab a copy today. And please always let us know how we can help. My email is Becca, that's B-E-K-A-H at carlsonintegrated.com. That's B-E-K-A-H at carlsonintegrated.com. You know, she always makes me look so good. She's tremendous. She is better than her voice even sounds. Hey, everybody, give me a call at 305-773-6300 if I can help you with some real estate capital. If you need it on the personal side, I can help you with the residential mortgages. Getting a lot of friends, uh, all these jumbos and super jumbos that have been very difficult. And we're also really helping people streamline their conforming loan requests as well. It's still time to close by year end, but we're getting close. So call me at 305-773-6300 if I can help. And we can close your commercial bridge loan even faster than that. So call me at 305-773-6300-Y. Because when you call me, it's always all about you. Welcome back to Freedom Business. Connect with us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Jim Freed or at Freedom Business. And on Instagram at Jim Freed One. Now, back to your host, Jim Freed. All right, we are here, and we are here with Michael Ray Fitzgerald. He's a media historian, musician, and former journalist based in Jacksonville. Is this you playing the guitar on the jacket cover? No, that's not my guitar. It belongs to a friend of mine, Rick Dershler. Okay. Okay. It's, sim- it's similar to one that Dwayne Allman used. That's why we picked it. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Let's talk about Dickie Betts. Oh, yeah. Let's, Let's. talk about Dickie Betts, who basically provided the driving sound for these bands. Talk to me yes. about Dickie Betts. You know, I kind of think that Dickie Betts was one of the major architects of Southern rock. Uh, he was probably, he. it's hard to say who was the original redneck hippie. Was it uh, Ronnie or was it Dickie? They were both in town at the same time. And they both were long hair, but they were both but they were both badasses, and both of them would resort to violence if provoked, which was very unhippy like. And uh, that was a contradiction with the long hair because you know the long hair was a kind of an anti-war statement, a peace. Yeah, it was a peace, uh, a renunciation of violence. So these guys were both contradictions. And uh, Dickie was the guitar god of this region. I mean, you've got a picture of Alan Collins. Uh, you know, playing a, a Firebird. Uh, that's because Clapton played a Firebird. Dickie could play Clapton note for note. Dwayne Allman, Clapton tried to recruit Dwayne Allman for his band, and Dwayne Allman said, nah, I've got a better band than that. He said, and Clapton ain't got nothing on Dickie Betts. Oh, that's tremendous. Now, um, how about the Outlaws? Tell me a little bit about them, because... They played down here in Miami at uh, Bicentennial Park. It's where they re- recorded Greengrass and High Tides. It was a rainy day. Um, what a freaking concert that was. Woo! Well, you know, they were very, very close to the California country rock. The three-part harmony style, the Eagles. They were, uh, they were very close to the California style, except they had the long extended guitar solo. So that's really the only difference there in my mind. Um, they were called Southern Rock, I don't know, borderline maybe, but um, they, uh, they've been around a, a lot longer than uh, people thought. You know, they got signed in the mid-70s, but uh, they've been around since, I think, 67 or something. 
But I don't know that they were doing Southern rock in the 60s, but they've been around a now, very, very long time. Now, how about the best intro ever on a Southern rock uh, song? And that would be um, Blackfoot on Train. What do you think? Oh, yeah, that's supposed to be um, Ricky's grandfather, Shorty, playing harmonica on that. I'm, I'm not, it probably is. I mean, I don't know why they would say it wasn't, but um, Ricky got the idea of doing a train train, which I believe was an old bluegrass standard. And uh, he got the idea of doing that from his grandfather, Shorty, who was a versatile musician and had been on a local TV show here in Jacksonville. Uh, it was called uh, Country Frolics, hosted by Toby Dowdy. Now, the most interesting thing I found out about the Jacksonville music scene was the first person that it started with. Ray Charles? you got to be kidding. Yeah, the Jacksonville music scene basically started in the black neighborhood of La Villa. And it started before Ray Charles, but uh, and he scuffled. He, he had a hard time getting gigs here. So he, he went to high school at the uh, St. Augustine School for the Deaf and Blind. And he quit when he was 16 and he moved to Jacksonville, which is only a, you know, a few miles north. And he lived at 752 West Church Street, where the La Villa School of the Arts is now. He scuffled around town. He played in a country band for a while. And uh, he just went to the bus station one day and says, what's the furthest city from here? And the ticket taker said, Seattle. He gives, give me a one-way ticket. I'm out of here. Oh, my God. Now, um, is there any band that's coming out of Jacksonville now that we should focus on? Oh, that's a good question. There, Yeah, there are. It's sort of a Southern rock revival up here. There's a band called Calfertown who are very, very good. There's a couple more I'm not familiar with. And um, it's the scene seems to be having a bit of a revival. For a long time, it was just incredibly dead. But it seems to be waking back up again. I, but, you know, with this COVID thing has really um, knocked it back down. Now, who do you think was the most influential person to come out of the Jacksonville music scene? Well, it, for the public, it would have been Ronnie Van Zant, but for the musicians, it would have been Dickie Betts. Wow, I guess I kind of nailed it. I was waiting for Graham Parsons to come back in there, too. Now, people don't realize that he went and he he uh, played in uh, with the Birds, right? And he went, did he go to England to do that? Where was, where was all that at? Yeah, he did play uh, in England with the Birds, and he was with them for not very long. He did one album with them, uh, Sweethearts of the Rodeo, and uh, he got fired. He was chasing the Rolling Stones around, trying to get in the Rolling Stones, I think. And uh, Mick Jagger ran him off because he and Keith Richards were doing too many drugs and not getting any work done. And the rumor has it, and Chris and Mick Jagger's brother, Chris Jagger, said, uh, confirms the rumor that he wrote Wild Horses or co-wrote Wild Horses. Wow, what a tremendous, tremendous song that was. What would you consider to be the anthem of this period for all these bands? Well, I guess it would be The South's Gonna Do It Again by Charlie Daniels because, no, no, I know, I know, I got a better idea, but it's still Charlie Daniels. Long-haired country boy, because that explains oh, it Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Now, you know, I also love Devil Came Down to Georgia. I liked that one. Charlie was a hoot. But I got to tell you, got to be Freebird. Come on, man. It's got to be Freebird. I think long-haired country boy ex 
explains it in a first person what Southern rock is all about. Yeah, I, I'm a, I have long hair and yeah, I take drugs, but underneath it all, I'm a redneck and you better not mess with me. Okay, okay. That does sort of uh, drive the 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 um, the storyline of the early seventies through I'd say eighty three. That's definitely right down the middle for these guys. Um, last thought before we let you go. Well, you know, a lot of people expected the book to be a fan letter, and it's not. It's a it's a fairly critical look at Southern Rock, and it ain't all pretty. And no. I, I looked at it from the point of view of a scholar and a historian rather than a fan. And I tried to be as objective as possible, which is, you know, is you only can do the best you can. I looked at the data very skeptically and I nonetheless came away with a, a lot of respect for these guys and what they accomplished. It's an amazing story and it really needed to be told. And these guys did what was practically impossible and they pulled it off well you said these guys there were a couple of women that were involved um they really didn't get a lot of drag um but who would you mention is the couple of women that might have had a good impact here yeah for the most part it is a boys club jim uh the women would be uh dale krantz who was uh, started off in uh, 38 special and now she's in leonard skinner and the backup singers for skinner the honkettes and um, maybe uh, Bonnie Bramlett, you could say she was a Southern rocker from Delaney and Bonnie, and uh, I, I, maybe uh, Ruby Starr from Black Oak, Arkansas. So you could name the women in the Southern rock movement on the fingers of both hands, really, if you thought about it really hard. Black Oak, Arkansas, how tremendous. They were great. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for coming. Again, uh, Michael Ray Fitzgerald and, and Charles Flink, they'll both be at the Miami Book Fair. I'm trying to do this. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do that that way. The both be at the Miami Book Fair. They're both tremendous books. I've had a great time reading them both. One is really informative about my business. One's really informative about my 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 social part, my my rock and roll, like sweating in the clubs and all that other stuff when I was a kid. So I want to thank you both for being here today. Um, I want to thank Reagan Mendoza for coming and running the show. Reagan's been really uh, doing some great. Uh, uh, work for us on the video. So, uh, Reagan, thank you so much for that. Um, Charles, you know, you've been listening in. What was your favorite Southern rock band? Oh, you know, you've mentioned so many today, but uh, probably I'd have to go with Leonard Skinner because that was the one I was identified with that was, you know, in my high school yearbook and all that. And I think all these, what ties it all together for me, all these were storytellers. Uh, they were they were trying to get their story out through their music. Um, and they told it in different ways. Um, and it was, it's kind of an interesting uh, perspective in, in that regard. Yeah, well, that's what we had as a common theme today was it was all about storytellers. Um, we had storytellers on. They told the stories, I'm going to say, about other storytellers. And uh, Charles, gave us, Charles gave us a guide on, on bringing our community together in a socially positive way. What a wonderful thing for today's times. So I want to Absolutely. thank you both for being here. I want to remind everybody that we are South Florida's longest running talk show. I want to thank the first responders, the healthcare heroes, and all the people that are putting themselves on the front line. And today, especially, I want to thank the teachers. God bless you all. Stay thank safe. you. Huh? Thanks, Jim. Oh, it's my pleasure. I Thanks, want to thank Jim. our sponsors, Warren Henry Automotive. 
Crack OAI, Carlson Integrated, the Bergstrom Center for Real Estate Studies at the University of Florida. And I want to thank you, our listeners. And I want to thank our guests. They were tremendous. Please go to our Facebook page, our LinkedIn page, all our different pages. Give us feedback and comments. Tell us if you liked our guests and if you want to hear some more. Join our community. Give us comments. Jim Freed, at Freed on Business, at Jim Freed. That's, that's LinkedIn. That's Twitter. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm on everything. We've got a great website, too. If you missed today's show, Reagan will have it up probably by the end of the day today. This is Jim Freed for Freed on Business. Make sure to look for me next Wednesday at noon. Next Wednesday at noon, we're going to have Casey Conway on. We're going to find out what's really going on in the economy. Oh, you're going to love that. Why? Because I just love doing this.